When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, the Minister for Health, uh, Stephen Donnelly, is uh, to join us on uh, the programme tomorrow. But let's hear what uh, the Minister had to say yesterday in the Shannon about leftover vaccines at the Beacon Hospital being given to school teachers uh, who were working in a private school uh, that the CEO of uh, the Beacon has children in. Let's just talk about Beacon Hospital for a second. What happened there was completely unacceptable. There is no excuse whatsoever for what happened. It is clearly against the agreed protocols. It is clearly against the entire ethos of our vaccination program, which is vaccinate the most vulnerable first. Why? We want to minimize the damage that this virus can do to our country. And in vaccinating the most vulnerable first and our healthcare workers to take care of those who get sick, we minimize the risk, we maximize the benefit of this vaccination program, and we speed up our ability to open back up again. And some may say, well, what happened at the Beacon was only 20 doses in a, in a, in a pool of 800,000 that have been that have been administered thereabouts. I don't accept that. It's not about the 20 doses. It's about, a, it's about a signal that it sent out. It's completely unacceptable what happened. And it sent out the wrong image. And what everybody saw was that this stank of privilege. That's what that stank of. That's what it looked like to everybody. And it shouldn't have happened. Uh, I have suspended operations, vaccine operations, at the Beacon Hospital. I have done so after confirming with the HSE. Some people asked why it didn't happen immediately, because I wanted to make sure that the capacity was in place to put alternative vaccine arrangements in place at very, very short notice. Because we didn't want a situation whereby we acted instantly and found that actually what we were doing was denying good, innocent people of getting vaccinated. So we made sure, I worked very closely with the HSE, we made sure that Alternative arrangements could be put in place very quickly, and then we suspended operations. Uh, there is also a letter going to the board asking for a full account, and to Senator Conway's question, any other vaccines that have been in the care of the Beacon Hospital that have gone out of prioritisation? Because these vaccines do not belong to the Beacon Hospital or any hospital. These vaccines belong to the Irish people. And, and, and we are taking what happened there very, very seriously. 
uh, indeed. That's the Minister for Health, uh, Stephen Donnelly. He was uh, speaking in uh, the Shannon yesterday. Now let's uh, speak uh, to the Sinn Féin spokesperson on health, David Cullinan, who's on the line. And uh, a very good morning to you and thanks uh, for joining us on uh, the programme this morning. As always, uh, you'll be putting a a motion to the Dáil tomorrow on carers. And uh, amongst other things, you'll be asking for family carers to be prioritised in the rollout of vaccines. Well, first of all, what family carers are looking for is not to take vaccines from anybody else or to jump any any queue. What they want is to be recognised as a distinct cohort in their own right. And that hasn't hasn't happened up to now. So if you look at uh, all frontline healthcare workers and indeed non-patient facing healthcare workers are all in the first number of of categories of, of people who are being vaccinated. And that's uh, obviously what needs to happen. So all of those who are providing uh, treatment and care in our uh, health services and who work for the HSE, including, by the way, carers who work for the HSE, who are also in Category 2 and are being uh, vaccinated and have been vaccinated. Family carers uh, are not seen and have not been seen as a distinct cohort. They provide care to their loved ones. Some people provide care to multiple people. And in that context, we feel and they feel, including Family Carers Ireland, that they should at least be recognised as a distinct cohort. I think you're pre-empting the government's argument in relation to that, aren't you, in that uh, the Tonnishley of Radker has already said uh, that this case that's been made is a a dishonest one because if somebody goes up the list, it means that somebody has to go down the list. Well, I put a number of issues to the Minister for Health and indeed the Tonnishley a number of times on the vaccine rollout and one of them was in relation to uh, patients with underlying medical conditions. At the time, I was being lobbied and getting a lot of representations in from people who had cancer, whose uh, doctors were uh, very unclear as to whether or not they would pr- uh, proceed or pursue treatment uh, that they were getting or operations. At that point, there was no category four. Uh, we had no uh, desire or, or no inclination to prioritise those with underlying medical conditions at that point. The NIAC looked at it and they changed it. And they, they have always said that the allocation groups are, is fluid. It can change based on priority. And obviously, if there are cohorts of people that they have missed out or they simply haven't recognised that, that they were always open to discussion. And in fact, what the Taoiseach said in the Minister for Health said is that they themselves have made representations to the National Immunisation Advisory Committee. So this isn't about Sinn Féin or anybody else for that matter in, in the political... Well, I think it's true to say you're not alone in your thinking. I think we've heard uh, TDs uh, across... Uh, but but you've not just heard from TDs, case, Michael. Yeah. You've heard from Family mm-hmm. Care. Oh, of course, They're yeah. The people yeah. who are important here. And Family Carers Ireland, to their credit, have been standing up for carers who feel they've been abandoned for many years, doing huge amounts of work. Very many of them don't get paid at all. Mm. They feel not very valued. And, and when they see, and they have no problem with carers who work for the HSE uh, being vaccinated, they applaud that. But when they are being told that they don't count, uh, then they feel very sore about that. OK, I but I suppose it doesn't change the argument that you're going to hear, which is uh, that if somebody goes up the list, it follows that somebody has to go down the list as a result. Well, obviously, if you reprioritize uh, one set of people, uh, it may well be the case that others have to wait longer. But that's a judgment that the NIAC have to uh, make. But what's happening now is, as we're told, we're going to uh, go into a critical phase of the vaccine rollout. Multiple allocation groups would be rolled into one. So it's not going to be seamless. We're going to see many of of the different groups being uh, vaccinated at the same time, simply because we're moving from 80,000 doses a week 
to 250,000 uh, doses. So within that context, I think it is reasonable for family carers to at least stand up for themselves, to make their argument, for that argument to be heard, for their case to be heard. And our motion that we have before the uh, thought isn't simply about the vaccines. Mm. It also covers income supports, uh, access to daycare services, which at some point will have to be resumed, uh, respite care, all of the issues which uh, family carers depend on to be able to uh, care for the people that they they love. Many of them are children with disabilities. Uh, Many of them are children with profound special needs, as we know. In some cases, it's older people who need to be uh, looked after by by either a sibling or or, or just somebody Mm. who's, who's caring for them. Uh, so, uh, I and think a, a pretty a, fundamental question as well is, which is, when is a, a carer defined as a, a carer, or to put that another way, when do they qualify for the carer's allowance? Well, the carer's allowance is, is means tested. So the problem isn't whether they're uh, receiving the care. The problem is that if they are working even part time somewhere else, uh, and if they're over the income threshold, they don't qualify. Obviously, the definition is that if you're caring for somebody who needs ongoing care. So many people will look after, for example, older people with dementia who uh, will need constant round-the-clock care. Uh, Many are are people who are looking after children with profound special needs who we know need constant treatment and constant care. Mm. And if you're in that family situation, and I'm sure we all have family members, unfortunately, who find themselves in these situations and and obviously will do their best to care for their loved ones, if they're not then in a position to work simply because they have to provide the level of care, they have to be compensated. The difficulty is with the means test, it's very uh, narrow in its focus, which means many people then don't qualify. But the definition of what caring is, uh, is is clear in terms of the the, the level of care which which, uh, somebody would provide. And then all of that, of course, is assessed when somebody makes an application for a carer's uh, payment. But, But there is a wider issue, in my view, of a frustration that carers feel in all of these areas that are not being listened to and and. To touch on the issue that you uh, had in your package before I came on and and Stephen Donnelly's response to what happened in the Beacon Hospital, Mm. uh, when we're talking about family carers who are at least asking to be heard in relation to the vaccine rollout and and not feeling that they're being heard, while at the same time we have uh, what happened in the Beacon Hospital where the CEO contacted uh, teachers in the private school, uh, senior management in the VHI, uh, senior management in a local creche, as opposed to giving it to cancer patients and other patients in the hospital itself, really screams uh, that, uh, again, this is about privilege and about people looking after the more privileged in society. And it really upsets people when we know that this is precious in terms of the rollout. And I have always said, uh, Michael, that we need to be getting the vaccines to those who need them most as quick as we can. Uh, And when we have... Uh, examples of what we saw, not just in this hospital, but also in the Coombe as well, if you remember a few weeks ago. Um, it does upset people. And, and one of the questions I would have for Minister Donnelly, who can't absolve himself from this either, he has ultimate responsibility for ensuring that the vaccine is rolled out efficiently and fairly. Has he uh, investigated whether or not these are outliers? Are there other examples in other hospitals? Uh, are we going to see a drip feeding of this, or is he going to be more proactive and actually find out himself uh, by the HSE contacting all the hospitals to see and establish if these type of practices were happening elsewhere. And I think he needs to do that very, very quickly to restore confidence. 
Another issue that you're raising in your motion relates uh, to the Primetime Investigates programme and uh, that this practice of holding data that is being gathered by the Department of Health uh, from uh, GP consultations and consultations with consultants, uh, that that practice of compiling these dossiers on autistic children stops. Well, if we just leave the politics out, out of this for one second and, and just look at what happened, Michael, we're talking here about parents of children with autism and profound special needs who, during the early 2000s, found it very difficult to access services. And we know even still it can be very daunting for, for parents in the early stages to weave their way through all of the different services, uh, what services are available for their child and ensuring that their child gets the best possible supports. And in the early stages, there was difficulties in relation to accessing mainstream education, difficulties sometimes in getting even an assessment, uh, difficulties in accessing a whole range of treatments and therapies. And a number of parents took the state to court to vindicate the rights of their children. Many of those cases uh, are still on the books. They remain dormant. Uh, they were never settled, um, I suppose, and, and they, they were dormant cases. These are the family uh, families who the HSE were compiling data on. And it was very sensitive information in relation to some children. Uh, at times, it was actual psychiatric evaluations and reports, which went into uh, inter-family uh, relationships, difficulties uh, within families, in some cases, alcoholism, uh, and those type of uh, issues and, and, and that type of information to be stored on a database uh, against the knowledge of the parents, as well as school report cards, I mean, I, I think most reasonable people, if that was your child, would be horrified. And against your knowledge as a parent that the HSE was gathering this type of information, uh, all for the purpose, it would seem, to put pressure on those families to walk away from the case as opposed to settling because there would be some cost to the state when they were simply standing up for their children. I think it's unacceptable. So, yes, our motion calls for this practice to stop, uh, for there for their, to be full open disclosure. I think it's not unreasonable to ask that any information that's held on any of these families or, or these children is relayed immediately to the families themselves. Uh, they need to be notified of exactly what information is on file uh, and is on these databases, and then the practice needs to be stopped. Uh, there needs to be proper data protection, and this type of gathering of information uh, and, and that type of engagement, in my view, which I think is completely wrong, needs to stop. And, and that's, yes, one of the asks that we have in, in this motion. Okay, we leave it there for the moment. Thank you indeed Thank you, for joining us this morning. David Cronan is uh, Sinn Fein's spokesperson on health. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. 
Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.